You are listening to the Catholic Thinkers Podcast, a free treasury of instruction in the Catholic intellectual tradition. If you enjoy this lecture, please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate. This is Father Scholl, and we'll now continue with the considerations in political philosophy to Book 3 of the Republic of Plato. Book 3 takes up uh, the issue of poetry and its corrupting influence. Recall that the classical poets of Greek, classical poet of Greece is Homer, the Iliad and the Odyssey. And also recall that Miletus, the principal accuser of Socrates at his trial, was a poet. Many underestimate the influence of music, words, and movements on our souls. Plato never does this. He thinks that the greatest uh, corruption comes into cities in their songs and poems. In Greek poetry and music, they often had the same word, uh, the same word, that is the same word for music and poetry was the same. Music is considered the highest art, is considered to be the highest art form. Plato will be accused again and again of censuring because of this uh, chapter. But we must go slowly with this accusation. Very often our doctrines of uh, liberty uh, blind us to what actually happens in our souls. The concern of Plato is with the stories uh, in the poets that praise either heroes or gods Uh, for carousing, stealing, or lying. Particularly is this so when the language is elevated and moving, so so that does does affect our souls uh, uh, as readers. Remember, we are looking for where injustice comes into the city, Uh, which is the uh, individual writ large. So the city is the individual writ large. The soul is the city writ small. As it turns out, it seems to come in where, uh, where in the education of the potential philosophers, they read moving accounts of gods doing evil things. And this uh, is bound to affect the soul of the reader. Plato does allow certain people to lie, something that uh, uh, becomes a part of the structure of the Republic. This uh, allowed lie, however, is paradoxical. It is really the truth seen by those who cannot understand it to be a lie. He says in 391D, quote, we will compel the poets either to deny that the heroes did such things, such terrible things, or else to deny that they were children of the gods. Uh, They must not say both or attempt to persuade our young people that the gods bring about evil or that heroes are not better than humans. As we said earlier, these things are both impious and untrue. 
uh, for we uh, demonstrated that it is impossible uh, for the gods to produce bad things, the end of the quote. And he says in 392b, because I think uh, we will say that what the poets and prose writers tell us about the most important things concerning human beings is bad. And they say that many unjust people are happy and many just people are wretched, and that justice is profitable if uh, it escapes detection, and that justice is not the good of another, but the good, uh, uh, but his own loss of the good man. I think we will prohibit these stories and order the good poets uh, to compose the opposite kind of poetry and tell the opposite kind of tales, the end of the quote. So the tales that, uh, that entice us to do evil uh, should be replaced by good tales that entice us to do good, as he said. The next subject is the style, uh, not the content of poetry and music. Socrates brings up the relation of tragedy, comedy, and epic poetry in 392d. And he says in 394c, And now I think that I can make clear to you what I could not before. One kind of poetry and storytelling employs only imitation, tragedy, and comedy, as you say. Another kind employs only narrative by uh, the poet himself. You find this uh, most of all in dithyrambic. A third kind uh, uses both, as in epic poetry, and many other places, if you follow me, the end of the poem. So these things are found in the poetry that the Greeks know. He says in 394d, we need to come up uh, to an agreement about whether we still allow poets to narrate uh, through imitation, and if so, whether they are uh, to imitate some things but not others, and what things they are, or whether they are not to imitate at all, the end of the quote. That is, do we allow tragedy and comedy in the city and speech that we're building it? So remember, what we're doing all the way through, now we're building the city and speech. We're asking what's in it. The problem of imitation, what happens to our soul when we all hear uh, our souls are subject to uh, the imitation that is um, disordered or music. At this point, Socrates uh, recalls uh, to Adimantos the one worried about justice never being appraised for its own sake of the principle of specialization, 394e. Socrates is worried about doing things well, and human nature, Adimantos, um, uh, seems to me to, uh, to be minted in even smaller coins than these, so that it can neither imitate many things well nor do the action themselves of which these imitations are likenesses of. And Socrates sets his education uh, uh, charter this way, quote, 
This is uh, 395 C to D. Our guardians, our intellectual guardians, those who are ruling the city, must be kept away from all other crafts so as to be the craftsmen of the city's freedom and uh, be exclusively that and do nothing at all except uh, what contributes to it. And they must neither do nor imitate anything else. If they do imitate, uh, they must imitate uh, from childhood what is appropriate for them, namely people who uh, are courageous, self-controlled, um, uh, pious, and free. And their, and, and their actions, to imitate also their deeds and actions. They must not be um, clever at doing or imitating slavish or shameful actions. Less from enjoying the imitation, they come to enjoy the reality. Or haven't you noticed that imitations practiced from youth become part of nature? and settle into habits of gesture, voice, and thought." Quote. Note the relation of this passage to what will later appear in Aristotle's habits of good and bad. So remember that Aristotle will be a reader of Plato. And 396a, he says, they must not become accustomed to making themselves like madmen in either word nor deed for though they must know about uh, must know about and uh, bad and vicious men and women they must neither do nor imitate anything that they do so this is an important passage we need to know uh, but not do, uh, by doing the acts or the being uh, being uncritically involved in the imitation or praising evil or mad act. See the advice in 397b. Socrates wants consistency of soul because no one in our city is, uh, is two or many uh, people simultaneously since each does only um, one job. So that's this idea that the city is composed of people who different, do different things and can do different things, and therefore we are all greater um, uh, taken care of because of it. In 398, A to B, he says, if a man who has, through clever training, can become anything and imitate anything, as a man who's uh, he should arrive in our city wanting to give a performance of his uh, poems. We should uh, bow down before him as uh, someone holy, wonderful, and pleasing. But we should tell him that there is no one like him in our city and that it is not lawful for there to be. And we should uh, pour myrrh uh, on his head, crown him with wreath, and send him away to another city. But for our own good, we ourselves should employ a more austere 
and less pleasure-giving poet and storyteller, one who would imitate the speech of a decent person and who would tell uh, the stories in accordance with the pattern we had laid down uh, when we first undertook the so uh, the education of our soldiers. In the quote. It's a rather amusing passage. They next have to discuss lyric uh, odes and song. Song uh, consists of three elements, words, a hymnonic, hymn, uh, harmonics, uh, harmonic mode, and rhythm. Uh, the 398C. Socrates is very aware of the effect of music, rhythm, and rhythm on our soul. Uh, you might see the chapter on music in Bloom's book on the closing of the American mind. Socrates is most leery of the, of the flute. We should try to discover uh, that there are rhythms of someone who leads an ordered and courageous life, and then uh, adapt them. We should learn these and adapt the meter and, and uh, turn to his words, and not his words to them. Socrates goes into uh, poetic meter, iambics, trochees, and so forth. Speaking of the value and nature of living in beautiful surroundings as itself an uh, occasion of learning virtue, Socrates says in a memorable passage, speaking to craftsmen or artists, he says, quote, for one CD, uh, or must we rather seek out craftsmen who are by nature able to pursue what is fine and graceful in their work? So that your young people will have to be uh, have a healthy place and be so benefited in all sides, and so that something of these fine works will strike uh, their eyes and ears, uh, um, uh, benefiting on all sides, uh, so that strike their ears um, like a breeze that uh, brings health from a good place leading them unwittingly from childhood uh, to uh, resemblance, friendship, and harmony with the beauty of reason, the end of the quote. So if we are surrounded by good and beautiful things, uh, we will, in fact, uh, be helped to become ourselves good. <clears throat> are not these the reasons, Glaucon, that education in music and poetry is most important. First, because rhythm and harmony permeate the inner uh, uh, part of our uh, soul more than anything else, affecting it more strongly and bringing it grace so that if someone properly uh, is properly educated in music and poetry, it makes him graceful. But if not, uh, then the opposite, the end of the quote. And he says in 401 D he says, Second, because anyone who has been properly educated in music and poetry will sense it acutely when something has been omitted uh, from a thing and when it has not been 
finely crafted or finely made by nature. And since since he has the right uh, taste, distaste, he will praise fine things uh, to be pleased by men, uh, receive them into his soul, and being uh, nurtured by them, become fine and good himself. In the quote. This is a great statement about liberal education and the arts, recalling though that there can be arts that praise disorder, uh, the rejection of which is the whole purpose of the book, of book three. Socrates even explains how to read and read music. Quote, quote to the, the Greeks, uh, do not neglect either body or soul. And therefore, if someone's soul has a fine and beautiful character and his body matches it in beauty and is thus in harmony with, with it, uh, hence the stress on gymnastics and so forth, uh, so that both share in the same pattern, would not that be the most beautiful sight for anyone uh, who has eyes to see and is not that which is the most beautiful also the most lovable the most beautiful thing in creation is the human form suffused with virtue and order of soul socrates then cautions on excessive pleasure in 403a but the right kind of uh, love is to be, uh, is by nature, the love of order and beauty uh, that has been um, uh, moderated by education and music and poetry. Socrates is actually engaged in the uh, reordering of disordered things in the Greek culture. That's in 403b. Socrates takes physical education very seriously. Then our warriors, our warrior athletes, need a more sophisticated kind of training. Uh, they must be like uh, sleepless hounds, uh, able to see and hear as keenly as possible and, as, uh, and to endure uh, frequent changes of water and uh, food as well as uh, uh, summer and winter weather on their campaigns without uh, faltering in, in health in the quote world for a even diets no Corinthian girlfriends nor attic pastry so they live a severe life in a famous passage uh, that I love to cite uh, to students Socrates warns uh, that disordered personal living and uh, personal living undermines civil society. And as uh, licentiousness and uh, disease spread in the city, are not many law, law courts and hospitals open? And do not uh, medicine and law uh, give themselves solemn airs when even large numbers of free men 
take them very seriously. So a city with many doctors and many lawyers is a disordered city because its citizens are disordered and the medicine and the law seems to contribute to that. How could it, quote, in 405a, how could it be otherwise? Could you find a better sign of bad and shameful education city than that the need for skilled doctors and lawyers is felt not only by the inferior people and the craftsmen, but by those who claim to have been up, brought up uh, in uh, the manner of free men? Don't you, don't you think it's shameful and uh, a great sign of vulgarity to be uh, forced to, uh, to make use of its justice imposed by others as a master and a judge because you are unable to deal with the situation yourself. So that when you have to go to court, that means that the situation was not solved by, your, by yourself or in your arrangement. In other words, a society full of students of law and medicine is already a sick society. And the uh, cure is not more law or medicine. The problem really lies within the order of soul from which disorders arise in the first place. Again, this gets at the uh, essence of Plato. The disorders of society begin in the disorders of the souls of those who lead the society and the education of their children. Socrates uh, can be devastating, yet it is not even uh, yet is it not even more shameful when someone not only spends a good part of his life in court defending himself or prosecuting someone else, but uh, through inexperience of what is fine is persuaded to take pride in being uh, clever at doing injustice and then uh, exploiting everyone, every loophole and trick uh, to escape conviction, and all for the sake of um, uh, uh, a rule of worthless things and because he is ignorant of how much better and finer it is uh, to arrange one's own life so that he have no need of finding a sleepy or inattentive judge. The, end of the, quote. the inattentive, sleepy judge has become famous. The one we look for, the one we look for, legally to get by with something. Remember the words; these words were written two thousand four hundred years ago. Plato next takes up the medical side. We are generally responsible for our own sickness. That's 406a. Asclepius is the teacher of medicine. Recall Socrates' last offering before his death was an offering to the god of healing. Real folks don't have time to be sick. 406c. He knows that everyone uh, is a uh, in a well-regulated city <clears throat> has his own work to do and that no one has the leisure to be ill under treatment all the time. Quote, 
excessive care of the body over and above physical training is pretty well the biggest obstacle uh, of all. It is troublesome in managing a household, in military service, and even in um, sedentary public office. And yet, the most important of all, surely, it is, is, is that it makes any kind of uh, learning, thought, or private uh, mediation and meditation difficult. For it is always uh, imagining uh, some headache or distress or uh, accusing philosophy of causing them. You know, cool. That's 407C. Socrates goes on to say that what a doctor must do to someone uh, not himself uh, disciplined enough to leave off what is causing his problems is to give a simple prescription of sugar and water and forget uh, the patient, 4078. That is, if you insist on smoking, for instance, or anything else that would cause a, a, a disease, and the doctor tells you to stop smoking, but you don't uh, do so, uh, you develop a headache or a cough or uh, intestinal problems. You go back to the doctor. Uh, you ask him to give you some something for your uh, for your pains. He wants to know if you still are smoking or whatever it is. And you say yes. So the doctor gives you a prescription of sugar and water because he knows that nothing you will do will make any difference. So, since you cannot discipline yourself to do what is necessary, uh, there is nothing a doctor can really do for you. It is, you find this in Plato first. 401b says, But they, the early doctors, uh, did not consider the lives of those who were by nature voluntarily sick and licentious to be profitable, either in themselves or to anyone else. Medicine is not intended for such people and they should not be treated, even if they are rich, are richer than mighty, you know, quote. Tough doctrine. Tough love, I think. Glaucon asks whether uh, doctors and judges do not need experience of crime and, and uh, sickness. With regard to doctors, it is a good thing that they have uh, that they see uh, uh, many sick people and even have been sick themselves. The object of medicine is the health of the body and the doctor serves that. In the case of judges, it is different. He ought not to do unjust things to know uh, what injustice is. The judge needs experience, <clears throat> which comes from observation and literature. A vicious person would never know either himself or a virtuous one, whereas a naturally virtuous person 
uh, whom, when educated, uh, will in time acquire a knowledge of both virtue and vice. 409b. This is a famous principle that you can know of evil through reading and experiencing of others, but if you try to do it because you know it yourself, then of course you are doing something in order uh, to gain a lesson which is itself evil. Have you not noticed the effect that lifelong physical training, unaccompanied by any training in music or poetry, has on the mind, or the effect of the opposite music and poetry without physical training? So that in 410c. And he says, quote, in 411d, he says, but what happens if he, the one who is, uh, concentrates on physical training, does nothing else and never associates with the muse, uh, uh, does not whatever love of learning <coughs> he might have and in his uh, soul uh, soon become enfeebled, uh, deep, and blind because he never tastes any learning or investigates or partakes in any discussion of any of the uh, rest of music and poetry uh, to uh, nurture or uh, uh, arouse them, in the quote. So if he never knows anything about it, he can never learn it. And 411e says, quote, It seems then that a God has given music and physical training to human beings, not except incidentally for the body and the soul, but for the spirited and wisdom-loving parts of the soul itself, in order that these might be in harmony with one another, each being stretched and relaxed uh, uh, to the uh, appropriate degree, the unquote. Plato conceived uh, three parts of the human uh, being, the body, the spirited part, and the mind, or the soul. <clears throat> the spirited part refers to what we would call um, emotion, the area of practical intellect. The person who is so trained in body, soul, music, and music is capable of ruling the city, 412a. We need a to determine who rules and who is ruled. 412d. Quote, they will be uh, most suitable to rule whose love of the city coincides with their own love. And someone loves something most of all when he believes that the same things are advantage, advantageous to it as to himself and supposes that if it, if it does well, he will do well, and that if it does badly, then he will do badly also. We seek those who can rule. So 412e. We must see that they will keep their conviction. 412, 413a. Do you not know that people are voluntarily deprived of bad things, but involuntarily deprived of good things? And 
is not being uh, deceived about the truth a bad thing, while possessing the truth is a good thing? Or uh, do you not think that to believe the things that are is to possess the truth? This is an important passage. Recall our definition of truth from St. Thomas, the conformity of the mind with reality. To believe the things that are is to possess the truth. And Socrates' notion of voluntary and involuntary deprivation needs some nuance. There is always a knowledge of error or untruth, uh, which is not itself evil. A reaffirmation of military guardians is found in 414b. Socrates now devises uh, one of those uh, useful falsehoods, a notable falsehood that would persuade even the rulers. Uh, but if that's not possible, then uh, the others in the city uh, he will try to pursue. And this is the famous uh, foundation myth which serves to account for the order of the city, <clears throat> with each part doing its own proper uh, specialization, what is proper to it, including intellectual guardians. The question can be asked whether it is really a falsehood or a lie, or if so, uh, to whom and why. In itself, in itself, it contains the paradox that the truth will seem false uh, to most people, uh, that the uh, philosopher Socrates in Athens, the city of philosophers, will appear to be a fool. So the truth is that Socrates was a, a wise man, but he was taken to be a fool, and therefore it was a myth to say he was a wise man, if that's what, the way you see it. The myth is cast in the form of a Phoenician story, which describes something that has happened in many places. In quote, 415a, they first try to persuade a city, an army, an army to this tale. All members of the city are brothers, and there are, however, different kinds of members. <clears throat> some are gold, some silver, some bronze, some iron. They all do different things. You know. They are assigned strictly according to their talents. If children of brass parents are golden, they are elevated, and vice versa. The military guardians are bound to their rule to protect the city. The guardians have little uh, personal property or housing in 416D. They cannot get uh, caught up in private property and their own interests. They are guardians of the city, so we will give them some private goods uh, to uh, prevent greed. This is where Book 3 ends. The foundation myth is designed to show the relationship of the various parts of the city and the souls of the parts. Everything works for the city writ large. Here we imagine a different we imagine a differing group, uh, each uh, of whose talents 
correspond to what they are and what is needed. In these, it is not a lie. It only seems uh, to uh, be so to those who have disordered souls themselves. The Republic began with an inquiry into injustice and justice uh, and its various meanings, and progressed uh, to an effort to build a city in speech or in the mind, wherein uh, we could tell how injustice uh, entered into the city. It turns out that it enters through uh, bad education, the kind that uh, promotes injustice beginning uh, from the reading of the classical poets, especially Homer. The disorder is not only that of poetry, but of all forms of physical and emotional life, physical training, and music uh, in the broad sense. We may want music, poetry, and physical training in our city being built, but it must be itself and must itself conform to the rhythm and the movements that correspond to virtue. We cannot have uh, gods or heroes uh, stealing uh, or lying, especially uh, since their example will tempt us to do the same thing. Socrates thinks, uh, thinks our moral and uh, physical world should be, uh, uh, should be bound by beauty and virtue. Uh, remember, the reason we have intellectual guardians, remember the, uh, the remit of intellectual guardians, someone has to have a knowledge of the whole, physical, spirited, and intellectual. That is, in a sense, a specialist of the whole. Philosophy is knowing of the knowing of the whole, as well as a preparation for death, as we saw in the Phaedo. And so there ends book three, and we will next continue into book four. We hope you enjoyed listening to Catholic Thinkers. Please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate to help us keep this content free.